I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Trying to get three kids to go to bed and to find time to like sit down and not have my brain feel like it's on fire, like it's melting and get into the mood to do a podcast is next to fucking impossible. It's also next to impossible on those same nights to find the time where I can decompress and I can sit and watch movies. I mean, that's something I've done for years, something I do every single night, usually every single night when I can, when I'm not doing outside work or whatever. I usually, or doing this podcast where Mark, the movie man and I sit and spew on and on and on, about stupid shit forever and people for some reason seem to like and enjoy listening to us talk. I hear that a lot, Mark. <laughs> Hearing an awful lot. They mostly like listening to you. I'm sure they love the the sultry tones coming out of your mouth. No, I think I think it's your sweet, sweet pipes, Derek. Oh, here we go. It's a lot of verbal masturbation that's gonna go on here tonight. Um just finding that time to sit and watch something is is so tough. And um Sitting down, finally getting that break, and the prospect of watching dog shit, like, weighs on me. Every time I sit down, it's just like, you know, do I want to watch um, some important movie? Do I want to put on, like, some Igmar Bergman or maybe put on some some Criterion movie that's important? Or do I want to watch uh, the prequel, the second prequel to uh, Leatherface, to Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Which, which one do I want to watch here? What's going to be worth my time? I always end up choosing fucking Leatherface. I always end up choosing dog shit almost every single time I decide to do this. So um, so tonight here on uh, Astro Radio Z, which is now, I guess, becoming... More like it was way back in the day where I just do this whenever the fuck I feel like it, whenever the the dander gets up on uh, the scruff of my neck um, is a reaction show, because obviously, as you could tell from looking at the, the title of this episode and from my lengthy rant and my uh, correlation with with what I had uh, compared to Igmar Bergman, who I'd rather watch, um, we're going to be talking about the brand new prequel uh, to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Leatherface, which just came out this week. And with me tonight, of course, I have my right hand man, Mr. Mark the Movie Man. Sir, how are you doing tonight? Oh, we're we're here. We're fine. We've got our not our father's mountain ale. So uh yeah. I saw that you are now doing on your YouTube channel food reviews to which you are opening cans of <laughs> of not your father's mountain ale and doing mm, 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 yeah. Mm. That's good. That's a, that's okay. One, who talked you into that bullshit and why are you doing it? I have no idea what compels me to do these things. I don't do them often, but when I do, I, I, I don't know why I, I did it. Trust me. I, I looked at it later on going, why did I, what the f- you know, I'm scrolling through spoiler room, final cut, spoiler room, my first taste of Mountain Day. I'm like, who the fuck posted? I'm like, oh, wait, no, that was me. What the hell? 
<laughs> I mean, you were drunk. You were drunk on not your your father's mountain ale or mother's mountain ale. You know what's funny about that, Mark, is here I am doggy on it, yet I am. This is embarrassing. and It'll continue to go on no matter how much I say and, like goof on it. Amanda and I watch Gothic King Cobra. Mm-hmm. We still do. It's been years. All it is is a scruffy dude that has Asperger's that just sits and like talks endlessly to his computer screen about nonsense, about chicks he'll never bang, uh, and smoking constantly, and and playing guitar, acting like he actually knows how to play a fucking guitar instead of somebody just pounding fingers on a fretboard, and talking about <laughs> food that he eats. And one of his big things is he takes. Um, he's a big Mountain Dew lover, and I don't know why I'm going on this big tangent about this, but anyways, um, he takes. Mountain Dew and combines it with all sorts of alcohol and it becomes like this concoction where it's like, how does it taste like anything? It's just sugar at that point. It's just like you're you're mixing whiskey and Bacardi and Mountain Dew and uh, Blue Moon uh, beer and uh, Sprite and Dr. Pepper and, and Great Mountain Dew. And at that point, it's like it's just it's just fucking garbage. You're just drinking syrup. At that point, what do you and then so he takes this, he puts it all together. He's like, oh, I'm going to do a, a taste test review on this new mountain beverage. Mm, it's it's the the um, cherry flavored one. So he takes it. He opens it up, drinks it and goes. Mm, tastes like cherry. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Why am I watching this? In the, the moment I saw you post that video, Mark, I'm like. Mark has reached critical mass. It's 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 game over. Mark Mark is at the end. He he is so desperate for views on YouTube that he's resorted to the fine art of grabbing things to eat in his house and and basically telling people, mm, "Yeah, it tastes good. Yeah, it, it that's food." <laughs> and I'm just like, I felt such a deep and hurtful sorrow for you, Mark, when I saw that. Yeah. I mean, do you want to put a moratorium to that? Are you going to do that again? Or or should we expect more food reviews from you on the I am, on the Final Cut channel? No, that is not. That is a, a unique and it's going to be an exception and not the rule. No, I. Now, YouTube has changed so much. It's not like that even got any views anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I don't know why. It's on a daily but, basis, dude. They change things every single fucking day on that thing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. The environment's changed, and I'm. It, it's gone so commercial now that you have you have people leaving in droves and going to the other Vimeos, or you know, I could just post the stuff on my my website as well and i had thought about that a couple times i did that with i did a test and i got as many views on my baby driver review that i posted exclusively on my website as i did for another new release that i posted exclusively on youtube so i'm like sitting here going what does youtube bring to you anymore i mean i make pennies a month seriously yeah, wow. i i did the i started a monetization in, in 2014 on a fluke just to see what it was and i have enough to take my kids and my wife out to dinner to culver's once <laughs> that's how much money i've made in three years if you don't get the concrete mixers because those things are like four or well, five fucking bucks a piece well yeah i mean there are the concrete mixers you know so 
Um, <laughs> but it's going to be a reference that half of my listeners will have no fucking idea what that means. No, whatsoever. you know, the, the not shakes concrete mixers. Yeah, which, exactly. It's not a blizzard. It's not a blizzard. <laughs> We're just going to let you know that again. It's it's this is not DQ. This is not a blizzard. It's a concrete mixer, which depending on which culvers you go to, the concrete mixers are sometimes uh, more of a drink than shakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this one i had yesterday oh okay we're going way off the Sorry, rails we're here going way off. Gonna, now we're really going talk about this goddamn movie it's going to be us talking about food this might as well be me taking a concrete mixer and going hmm tastes like ice cream hey <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, on a podcast because you know there's nothing better than people eating and drinking on podcasts it's good radio as they say a food podcast where people are just eating and drinking. You just hear smacking noises for like 15 minutes. Oh, dude. Okay. So this is going to be, I know some of these people actually listen to this podcast, but this is going to be funny. There's another podcast town podcast. Well, it used to be a podcast, not anymore called kissing contest in which they used to review snacks. And, Mr. Blade Braxton, who you know very well, Mr. Mark the Movie Man, uh, the the immaculate star of my black and white short, our song is my blade and hole in the wall. Uh, his uh, podcast, Russell Crap Radio, he reviews snacks all the time on there. So half the time you, you sit and you listen to them be, you know, horse assing for a good hour to listen to Blade chew on Doritos and tell you. Hmm, and drinking straws. Yeah, drinking straws. Hmm, tastes like Doritos. Wonderful radio, wonderful radio. Now let's let's move on past this insanely huge tangent that we just went on. And uh, coming to the Astro Radio Z show tonight is Mr. Cole Meredith. He's a filmmaker out of Wisconsin, now living in Minnesota. I feel very sorry for him for living in Minnesota now because that's Viking country, and we all know Viking fans are the worst. And the Minnesota Vikings are the worst, being Packer fans here in uh, good old Wisconsin that everybody hates. Everybody hates Wisconsin, but it doesn't matter. The Vikings are the worst. I'm going to keep saying that, but he won't take this personally. Mr. Cole Meredith. Thank you for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm I'm really good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Um, I I have you on tonight because obviously, as we said at the beginning of the show, not that lengthy rant about you know food reviews on YouTube's and all that stuff. Um, we're here to talk about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, Leatherface, which is the second prequel. I mean, we're not counting. Um, you know, there was a remake in 2003 or whenever it was. I, I'm not going to look on IMDb. I'm not going to get facts, right? I don't give a fuck. Um, there was a remake, and then there was a prequel to that remake. Then there was um, a retcon part two to the original film called Texas Chainsaw 3D. And if you guys aren't aware of what my feelings on that film <laughs> were... I there's <laughs> longtime listeners will know because it is one of the the most epic rants I've ever had here on Astro Radio Z. It was before I took over when I was doing the show with my good bud Corey J. Udler, and I put it out as Astro Radio Z classic a couple of years ago. I'm going to take that review and for your listening pleasure, just so I don't have to reiterate everything, we're going to play that right now. So going to take a break and when we come back we'll talk about the new Leatherface. Greetings one and all and welcome to uh, the new year 
2000 and uh, something. A movie that has uh, just come out. Um, it was number one at the box office last weekend, surprisingly enough, which is kind of shocking, actually. Uh, was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, te- sorry, Take the Massacre. Out of it, it was just Texas Chainsaw 3D, um, which I guess is uh, hip or cool or something to take Massacre out of it. But uh, it's, it's uh, so far, Derek actually said that it is his favorite movie of the last 45 years. 45 years at least. At least. Wow. If you wanted to go back further, I mean, we could go and we could knock Citizen Kane off of the pedestal and uh, bring Earth in... the Nation, uh, gone, Ben-Hur, get out of here, you know. <laughs> get the, wipe the floor with that shit. Ben-Hur didn't have any scenes where... Uh, a, a chick who had uh, has a shirt, a blue shirt, no bra underneath it. It's barely clinging to her. It's in the middle of a windstorm, and the thing doesn't move off of her tits, but she's able to pass a, a huge chainsaw to another guy and say, "Have a, uh, what was it again? What was that what, what line?" It was a "Do your thing, cuz." There you go. Brilliant. Yeah, that, it's gold. Oh, that fucking movie. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I actually had gone to see it, and uh, about forty five minutes into it, I sent Derek a text, which you're not supposed to do in the movie, but there was nobody there but me. And um, I went and I, I sent Derek a text, and I said, "I'm at Chainsaw. It's fucking horrible." And uh, he goes, what? Really? God damn it. He said, I was going to go tonight, you prick, and whatever else. And then as the movie went along, like, there were certain things about it. You know, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad. And, you know, the lines, the thing that killed me the most was, A, it made no sense. Um, There were just certain things about it that I was like, really? What, you know, bizarro Superman world do you live in that this is actually even... I mean, I understand it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but... When you watch the first movie, you go, this might be a thing. There's shit that you read about and have read about for years. Think about Ed Gein and think about these things. That you know that movie's not that far out that you go, this could never happen. Whereas mm-hmm. in this one, it was such a farce. Um, but the one thing that, that I can say, honestly, is that I liked it a billion times more than I like that 03 remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but that's not saying much because I would rather eat human feces for the rest of my life than watch that fucking movie again. <laughs> I don't know. It's a pretty close call because uh, after I got out of it, I remember I either texted you or I was uh, talking to our dear friend John Pata. We had a pretty long uh, texting conversation about it where I had said, I don't know. I think this just made that 03 movie a master piece oh, <laughs> it's not a fucking movie oh god oh, that god. movie I can't even watch that thing man it feels like honest to god it feels longer than gangs of fucking New York it, oh. it's, it's it's grating it's the most grating awful cliched boring contrived ridiculous the thing that I think pissed me off the most about this movie is not so much that um, that, that they had that, that they picked up where you know quote unquote where the last one left off. Which if you're going to pick up where the last one left off, you and I discuss where you where you pick it up. Oh, you pick it up yeah. immediately on the highway. 
Um, yeah. But that's a different uh, different story for a different time. But who the fuck were all these other people? Oh my god! You know, and here let's let's just throw this out there so we're not complete assholes about this movie. That first right. scene had so many. I mean, it would they obviously went out of their way to bring in John Dugan. They bring in Bill Mosley. They bring in Gunnar Hansen and yeah. uh, Marilyn Burns. All these people in two completely disposable scenes. That yeah, the only throw away. reason the that they were in there was to tie it to the first film because the rest of the film has nothing to do with it whatsoever. No. So it's like nope, they, they got 850 out of monks like you and me. That was it. Yeah, yeah. So you bring in all the dorks that you've been, you know, marketing towards uh, for the last year that, you know, you've been cutting the thing. And the scene, just like it, I, I felt so bad for all those guys. It's like, man, they, they just totally duped everyone and I, yep. I feel bad for those guys uh, like like Dugan who who he's literally on screen for like a second is that yeah, he, he, at one point he, he looks up and he kind of does a grandpa turn thing and then he gets shot out of the chair I mean it's it's literally it's three seconds oh it's just it's horrible it's too bad because you know I was just like when I walked into it I think you and I had the same thought where it's just like man I, I hope they really do this right they've been marketing it the right way and even though that trailer was a load of bullshit it yeah, ended up horrible. being way more accurate than we could have ever imagined but yeah, uh, that first scene was just like yeah they, they go out of their way the whole credit sequence is literally the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre morphed into 3D. Right. They do a, like a short and a tr truncated version so that it immediately picks up right after it. But then right. they go into, it's basically the Devil's Rejects. They go into this yep. house, and there's a million people in there. Where the <laughs> fuck did these people come from? I have no idea. There was no reference to them in Texas Chainsaw 1 or 2. It was the Sawyer family. Um, you know, it, it, it made no sense. It was just a bunch of disposable, flannel-wearing, redneck characters that show up. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, a part of me wants to say, you know, at least there was there was a little bit of a nod to, to where it mm -hmm. came from as opposed yeah. to a lot of the stuff that they remake. But, you know, on, on one hand, you want to say, I want a, re a remake, a re-imagining -im of a movie. I want it to be completely separate. You know, yeah. I don't want it to have a lot to do with that first one. But with Chainsaw, it's the, the first two movies, especially that first one, is, are they're so strong and they're so visceral and they're such a yeah. part of of everybody's subconscious and any time anybody who's seen Texas Chainsaw you can never wash that out that's nope. there forever and whether you like it or not and you know I, I appreciated the nods back to it and honestly the storyline that they had I mean if you look at the storyline you know the, the, the house gets you know burned down or whatever but then the thing that killed me was the fact that um, it, Drayton's dead and Grandpa's dead and everybody's dead and you go, oh, okay, so I guess Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, which is a brilliant fucking movie, never yeah. happened. Right, right. And the funny thing about that is, I mean, I was reading online tonight. Uh, I just decided to Google see how everything went with it and, uh, you know, the gross and whatnot. And there were already rumors about, you know, because it was, the number one at the box office. They made twenty four million dollars this weekend, and and then what they make it for six, eight. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna the rumor mill is gonna start about the next 
you know, sequel. And they already tossed out there, and this could all be bullshit because I think it all got squashed, that the next movie is going to be called Texas Chainsaw 4. How the fuck does that work? Texas Chainsaw 4. So is that to say that the remake is one, the beginning is two, this one is three, and that one is four? Or I, I, It means, assholes, we're taking your money. You like the yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I can put Texas Chainsaw Massacre Bukaki after this. You will give me your <laughs> money. And you will sit there and enjoy it. Yeah, not oh, even the man. common courtesy of a reach-around. No, no oh, reach-around. Just chainsaw up your ass. And you'll oh, like yes. it because... Yeah, because the small businessman takes it in the ass every time. It always, always. It's too bad. <laughs> I thought My thoughts on on this movie were, I mean, I can't, I can't say I, I completely hated it because there were parts where I was smiling and I was enjoying myself because yeah. it literally, if you, if you sit and think about it as a Texas Chainsaw movie, as a continuation of the first one, it's a complete piece of shit. But if you think yeah, about it, it's like a slasher movie. It felt like, to me, because of the 3D, it looked really cheap. Half of it looked yeah. very out of focus flatly lit it was it just didn't look that good it reminded me of Friday the 13th part 3 a lot Mm. oh there you go yeah yeah and that's what it's that's what it's like if that doesn't bother you go see it whatever but uh really as as a continuation of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre it's a fucking travesty well you know and and the thing with with us is is, and we know John Patta who uh is uh he was a wonderful guy and a great filmmaker and a brilliant friend. Um, and he is uh, the world's, I think it's safe to say that he's the world's biggest Evil Dead fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think for me it's safe to say that I don't think that a better movie, the, the two perfect horror movies that have ever been made to this day are Texas Chainsaw and Night of the Living Dead. I, can, I, will, I will go to my grave saying that. I, I think I'm with you on it. And Chainsaw and Chainsaw Two, I, I I think is so unbelievably wonderful. Yep, and subversive, hilarious. Yeah. yeah, and and for me, I mean, it sounds really nerdy, and it's like, dude, you know, get over it. Who the fuck are you to sit here and talk about movies and to analyze it like that? But you know, at the end of the day, John's like that with the Evil Dead. And I'm like that with Chainsaw. See, because I didn't have, you know, a, a huge visceral reaction to even the Freddy remake or the Jason remake or even this Evil Dead remake. I don't have that kind of reaction where I say, how fucking dare you? You didn't do this. Yeah, All you right. did was rehash this. Right. I just don't have that visceral reaction. But I have that with Texas Chainsaw because that yep. was something I saw when I was a kid. And it became very, very personal to me because I've never seen a movie like that since before it, during after that's the only movie I've ever seen that is quite like that. And the one story I always tell was I was at a, uh, a, a convention. This was years ago. And I was by um, Caroline Williams, who played Stretch in Part 2, and Marilyn Burns, of course, uh, you know, Sally from the first one, and now she shows up in this one as Verna Lou or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, whatever and, um, she is. That nobody yeah, would I mean, ever equate to. That was a that was the biggest insult. Was that they toss her as this completely other character when her character's actually in the beginning of the fucking movie. Of the but movie, so in, I know. They're just they're just so like we think you're Back such on. a moron that you'll never tie that together. <laughs> they're banking on the fact that most people probably haven't even seen it. They just go, "Oh, I saw that Texas Chainsaw from 2003. It was great." 
Most uh-huh. of those people, if they were to watch the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they couldn't fucking handle. It. You know, uh-huh. I mean, most people that that go to these to, to the big, bigger. I mean, I'd say budget, but that go to you know the multiplex to see the Hollywood movies. They're not the people who seek out and watch the original Chainsaw or the original Evil Dead. They're never going to see it. They don't care. We live in a society now where nobody gives a fuck. They just right. don't care. If it's shiny and you dangle it in the corner, they're going to go to it like Pavlov's dog, and uh, they're just going to lap it up. I mean, it's it's just that simple. I mean, we've gotten people desensitized to a point where if you just dangle something in front of them and say, this is cool, this is cool, this is coming out, they rush to it and they can't get enough of it. And they don't care where it came from. They don't care that there's a lineage behind it. Um, yeah. you know, guys like us and, you know, the people that listen to Astro Radio Z and Mark and, you know, a, a lot of people, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're very different. We are a... We are the, you know, to sound elitist, we're the 1%. You know, in this racket, we are the 1%. And, yeah, we, we live and breathe this stuff, and it, it sounds like I'm being a total asshole about this, but, I mean, I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just like you said. That's me, too. I literally love, I, when, that, when I saw that remake, it fucking broke my heart. <laughs> Yeah, it just killed me. I, I avoided it, man, for about two years. I didn't watch it, and then I was at uh, I was at a used DVD store, and it was like four bucks, and it had a bunch of different extras on it and stuff, and it was like in a cool case, and I was like, all right, fine, I'm going to pick it up. And I, I walked away from it three times. I couldn't even watch it. Yeah. I'm like, this just sucks. Arlie Ermey was the best part of it. And even yeah. him, I go, what a stupid fucking character. You know what I mean? What well, the point? right. Well, I mean, I he didn't bother me as much because uh, Saito was, you, you know, he played a goofy character as well. So I love that, him, man. Great yeah, story. That, didn't, that didn't bother me so much. It was everything I else. Yeah, everything else was so cliched and so by the numbers and all yeah. the twists that were in it were still so safe and it was just so glossy and it just like uh, it, it had none of the danger that the original one had and it was no like, because the first the first one you watch it and you think what kind of psychopath made this you know it's yep. kind of like when you watch Cannibal Holocaust which is a movie I've seen once in my life and it's a movie I will never watch again as long as I live. I don't need to because I watched it and I said, what kind of fucking mental patient made this? Yeah. You know, and you yep. watch Texas Chainsaw and when, and I don't know if you've had a chance to watch and we got to get Kyle on the phone here at some point. We could go on all night. Um, but I don't know if you've ever had a chance to watch. I think it was from like 1988, 1989. Um, it was a little thing called uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a family portrait. Oh, yeah, I own it. Yeah, I own it. I do, too. I do, too. And it is phenomenal to hear the stories of the production of that movie. And then when you watch the movie, and like I was saying earlier, I was by Marilyn Burns and, and uh, Caroline Williams, and I talked to Marilyn a lot over the weekend. You know, I was probably bugging the shit out of her because I was such a big fan of the movie and of her character and stuff. And at one point I said, you know what? I said, you know what I like about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I said, I've told my friends this. I said, I've, I, and I've, I've always wanted to tell somebody from the movie this. I said, it's the only movie I've ever watched that I can smell. Mm-hmm. Like you watch it and you just go, pew. I mean, it's, the thing looks like it fucking reeks. Yeah. Like you just opened an old trunk full of like body parts. And she goes, you know why that is? She said, because when we did the dinner scene, it was 145 degrees and the lights and the food is actually melting in front of you and all this other stuff. She goes, so if you could smell it, it's because 
it, it was permeating the room. You know what I mean? <laughs> it it was got like a yellow cloud of cellulite. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It did. It just like it, it, uh, it, it tinted the the color of the of the film like some sort of shit greasy yellow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that film is is very special. I mean, the only other sequel that I can really honestly hang my hat on is Hooper's second one. The other two, oh. eh, they're okay, but I mean, they don't fun. really do anything for me. They're cliched eighty slashers, and I mean, the fourth one is goofy because McConaughey just goes oh. off the fucking rails. He's um, completely, he's like in a fucking cocaine rage or something on that movie. He, that's, he's worth watching that fucker yeah. just for him with that mechanical leg with the remote yeah. shit. And, you know, yeah. he makes the yeah, whole that was movie. Fun. It's fun, but I mean, if you were to talk a serious horror film, the first one's still the only one that is. Nah, it's, 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 it's a... Uh, a paramount uh, moment in horror. It's up there with, uh, you know, such things as, you know, the original Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein, um, you know, just the, the, the seminal horror films, uh, Exorcist of all time, you know, going back to Nosferatu, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of these brilliant things. You have to put Texas Chainsaw right yeah. up there. And, you know, I just know that there is a really great Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that is out there. Somebody has it. Somebody's got it in their brain. Somebody could write that. Somebody could direct that. Somebody could put that out and please the masses, but really, really give uh, the, the fans, the hardcore horror fans, give them a real boner and really get them off. Yeah, my thing is, would be to say, fuck everyone. Make a horror movie. Don't sit and make this as something that's got to appeal to a broad spectrum of people. That's not right. what the original did. The original just oh, wanted God. to make a fucking horror movie, you know? But, uh, well, let's just let's just wrap it up with this new one. Can we both agree that it's not worth it? It's not worth it. I mean, it's cert- it, I will absolutely say that it's definitely not worth paying to see it in 3D. Totally no. not worth it. Does not need to be seen in 3D. There's about two There's scenes no that are really 3D. There's one scene yep. of some blood flying at the camera that lasts four seconds, and then there's a couple of chainsaw shots. Otherwise, the only thing I thought was really neat was seeing that original Texas chainsaw footage put into that yeah. converted 3D. That was right. kind of fucking cool to see. Um, right. And you have these hot chicks. At least you'd think you'd see some 3D boobs or something, but they no put titties. double-sided tape on every single piece of clothing, so their tits are going to fall out. Yeah, panties ain't going to cut it, man. If you're going to make a slasher movie, and uh, you know, you better show me some, some poo-tang. Yes, I'm in agreement. Let's be pigs together on this one. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know what, if you're a completionist like I am, uh, see it. Um, you know, maybe pick it up if you can get it for a couple of bucks after it comes out. But don't rush to see it in 3D. And um, no. you know, let's all just let's all just agree that we're all going to keep our fingers crossed that someday we're going to get that Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that uh, we all deserve um, for being yep. fans and flying the flag for it for so long. Let's just hope that someday we get that thing. Yeah, and let's bring let's bring all those great actors back and have them actually do something in the film. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I really think Bill Mosley could have been a, you know, could have really done something for, uh, you know, the character of Drayton Sawyer. Um, and I, I wish he would have had a bigger role. I wish, you know, yeah. I don't know. It, it was a tacked on fucking scene. And, you know, that, it was, that's, that's just really all it is. 
yeah, yeah. completely thrown away. And it was tacked on to uh, appeal to the Fangoria audience, you know, and the horror audience, which is us, of course. And um, But, yeah, so, you know, I, I just, you know, I give it a, a complete indifference. You know, it was about what I expected it was going to be, so I wasn't yeah. let down. But And I knew my wife wasn't going to go, so I went on my own. And, you know, it, it, I mean, it was fine. It was nice to get away. It was nice to go to the cinema and see the movie and, and whatever else, wear those stupid fucking glasses. and Ugh, um, fucking stupid things. You know, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, if you're a completionist, go see it, own it, you know, put it in a collection, never to be watched again. So yeah, Texas Chainsaw 3D is a huge pile of shit, and <laughs> so <laughs> you are refreshed. I don't have to go on and on and on about it. So now we have another attempt at completely wiping the slate clean yet again uh, here with the by the directors of Inside, which was one of those films that came out of France a number of years ago in the 2000s, along with Alexander Aja's Split, Switchblade Romance, Xavier Genz's Frontiers. Um, you had uh, Martyrs, you, had, you know, the new French extremity, that movement uh, Inside was not one of my favorite movies. Uh, Mark Cole, what are your, what's your stance on, before we talk about uh, Leatherface, what was your stance on uh, Inside, starting with Mark the Movie Man? Actually, I have not seen Inside. Whoa! I, I kind of expected you to, Mark. I know, I know. I, it's been on my watch list, but I've got so many things to watch. No, I actually have not seen Inside. I've heard about it. I have not actually watched Inside, though. Interesting. I have a feeling you would probably enjoy it, Mark. Did you watch any of those movies out of that movement that came out? Not really. No. Um, okay. Again, you I, never I, saw I, High Tension. Oh wait, yeah, I did see High Tension. I'm sorry. Yes, it, it, that movie had like 15 different titles. I usually go by it. It was originally called Switchblade Romance. Then it was called Hot Tension. Then it was called High Tension. Okay, There's probably yeah. a million other fucking net titles for that movie. But uh, yeah. That one. Yes, I, I did see High Tension. I really enjoyed High Tension. OK, cool. Um, do you saw, do, you saw Martyrs, though, right? I did see Martyrs. Yes. So. OK, so we're getting closer here, Mark. We're getting, we're getting You have seen some of these movies. I, I have. I, I apologize. I have. I just haven't seen Inside, but I, I have seen. I didn't realize it was actually like, you know, a, a whole trend of things. I just. Look, was looking for some screwed up shit to watch, and so yeah, it was a it was a whole movement because there was just a lot of really super extreme horror films at a time in which here in America we we're getting nothing but neutered bullshit. People horror directors wanting to make R rated films, but being forced to cut them down to PG thirteen, and then eventually being told and getting financing to make PG thirteen horror movies, which played like cut downs. It was garbage. So that's where like guys like me would go to get their you know their gorehound kicks was to go to the new french extremity in the early 2000s and uh some of those movies are really great cole did you like inside i did yeah i did i thought it was uh for me you know really creepy and effective and um 
the the performances from from the two lead ladies I, I thought were <laughs> really good. Um, there's there's a bit of a twist that's maybe uh, too contrived, but I'm nitpicking. I thought it was um, certainly there was no lack of of gore and no lack of suspense no. in my book. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. My main problem with that movie was that half of the movie was great. The second half of the movie was total dog shit. <laughs> I just didn't I didn't understand why it went the way it did. It just fell apart for me. And by the end of it, I was just like, man, that was a total waste of my time. I just didn't dig that movie whatsoever. So um, to fast forward to now, when I when I heard that, you know, immediately after Texas Chainsaw 3D had come out and, it, you know, it was a relative hit um, for these schlockmeisters that decided, you know what, we don't know shit about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. We watched the trailer to the original, so I think we can write a new one. And they made one and made a ton of money on it because they didn't get a goddamn fact right about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, they then immediately announced they were going to do this Leatherface origin story and when i heard that it was the dudes that did inside i was kind of like oh maybe this could be good maybe but do i really need another origin story or do i need an origin story at all about leatherface about a character that is a hodgepodge of real true crime um serial killers and horror tropes and things that you know we're we're familiar with so there's kind of already this deep-seated knowledge of what this character is at the same time a mystery you know it's kind of an enigma because it takes from so many sources that in and, and the way it plays out he's almost this really guttural animalistic character that he doesn't like michael myers he never needed an origin story but of course because they got a rake Every one of these franchises over the coals, they got to get that paper. Um, they're going to go back because they don't want to write a continuation. That would take brains. That would take, you know, they'd have to sit and think about where they would go after Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Or just making a new movie that didn't have anything to do with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So they always go back to the origin story. Um, that seems to be, I thought we were over these prequels. I thought it was done. It was, it's bullshit. Uh, boys, what are your thoughts on prequels in general, regardless of this Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, nonsense where every single other movie is just a, a soft or hard reboot of the entire franchise. I mean, Cole, do you like prequels in general? You know, honestly, no, but there are a couple that I love. So I guess it's a case by case basis, you know, but in general, I think, you know, you go back and sort of slaughter the mystique of, of the character by uh, trying to explain what they went through as a kid. Again, there's exceptions to the rule, but usually I think it's just kind of, uh, you know, TMI. I, I, it just kind of destroys the mystery. Well, it's almost like, you know, you already know this story because it was told to you like the Star Wars, we'll always go back to Star Wars prequels is that that story was already told with, you know, scattered lines of dialogue in the original films. So you knew what was going to happen. So there was no mystery there. So what is the point? Why do I want to watch something that I know exactly what the fuck's going to happen. I know at some point there's going to be some character. Let's take this. For example, there's going to be some character that is a kid that is fucked up 
and he eventually turns into Leatherface. So there's no mystery to what's going to happen at the end of the movie. So why do I want to watch something like that? Mark, prequels, thoughts? Yeah, it is a case-by-case basis. Uh, Most prequels are unnecessary, and usually I don't like an origin story, a separate origin story for your slasher. If the first movie of the franchise is the origin story, great, okay. If you present a mysterious killer uh, when you start the franchise, uh, you know, I don't, and you present a little bit of that mythology, I don't need the full origin story. Now, again, it's case by case basis because we had two prequels that came out that actually were better by far than the originals. And even though uh, some people may have considered them, you know, some hot trash, uh, <laughs> um, I enjoyed, I actually found myself, in spite of myself, enjoying the Annabelle prequel to Annabelle and uh, the prequel to Ouija. And oh, that is hot trash. That's a baby bullshit, Mark. <laughs> now, but compared to the first movie that had come out, these are far better films. I'm not saying as far as compared to other horror films, but with compared to the first one, they were better films. And the way they had the stories enough, you could get away with it because you didn't have a whole long history. Leatherface, like you said, you know the roots, the origins of this character, you know, when they wrote it, what who they had in mind for it. So did you need an origin story for that character? No. The the mystery a bit adds some of that fear, that scare. It your your lets your imagination run wild. You know, so the 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 prequel has to be crafted uh in such a way to where uh, it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't go against its original history because that will usually throw you off right there uh, if it goes against your history. So I prefer prequels for movies where they didn't give much back history uh, because there isn't a whole lot to compare to. So you're like, OK, I can see the connection and it gives them a little more freedom. Uh, but there's some, yeah, the Star Wars ones were especially true. It's like, wow, you're you're rewriting your own mythos with these prequels, basically, uh, with what you gave us, you know. So it's a case by case. I mean, Mark, you needed to know about the trade federations. I mean, that, <laughs> that was essential to my enjoyment of the original like that was something where i sat when i was such a young boy i was sitting there watching darth vader walking towards obi-wan and staring at each other down and i sat and turned around to my mom like but what about the trade federations mom i i mean where are they? I mean, this, this is all interesting. No, no, it's all bullshit. There's no reason for any of this stuff, especially in a horror film. I think a, a prequel or an origin story to an existing film is so pointless. It's so pointless. An origin story to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I can't think of something that I would... I could give two fucks about. So especially when it comes to the prequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, do I need to know any of this bullshit? It kills everything. You're not supposed to sympathize with the killers. 
There's, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to sympathize with the victims. You're supposed to follow. You're, they are your vessel. You are supposed to go through them and follow in their experience going through this horror, not through the eyes of the killer and sympathize and go through his origin story. So when I heard about this after the Texas Chainsaw 3D came out, I was just like, this is the dumbest fucking baby bullshit idea I've I've heard in some time. I mean, I had just shelled out 13 bucks to go have CGI fucking chainsaws thrown at my face and fucking the the, the tightest, most taped on shirt to a, a chick's bosom that I've ever seen in my entire life. That is one of the greatest travesties in all of cinema is the fact that she was in a windstorm. Her shirt was wide open. She has no bra on and her tits don't flop out. That's that's some bullshit right there. That's a major bullshit right there. I call major bullshit on Texas Chainsaw 3D for that. Not not that, you know, do your thing cuz or any of that stupid nonsense. But but that shit right there. I know Mark the movie man could feel me on that shit. Well, it's like but, Alexandria Daddario. How do you not take advantage of a rated oh, R film and have that happen? Oh, I sound like such a pig right now. That's oh, okay. You're among fuck. you're among friends. No, it sounds it sounds horrible, but it it just it's not so much the fact of seeing the skin. It was the the unrealistic portrayal, and people might. <laughs> No, it no, took us people, out of the movie, folks. It took us out of the movie. Her tits would be flapping all over. No, no, no. People don't think horror fans think of that when they're watching, but a lot of times you, you you do, and especially when you have such glaring things staring at you, it, it can take you out of the movie because you want to see more of the glaring things, but they don't show you it. But it doesn't make sense because you know that naturally that shirt would have blown open. It's not so much of, yes, I need to see the skin. It's just that in real life, that shirt would have blown open. And how, you know, there goes your suspension of disbelief yeah. about a guy with a chainsaw killing people. You know, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here in this movie theater all by myself because, you know, no other motherfuckers in all of the Fox Valley were going to go to this goddamn gimmick. I'm sitting here with my Jergens lotion in, on one seat and a box of tissues on the other. And what the fuck am I supposed to do with the chubby now? I can't do shit with this. There's this. this shirt's okay. Anyways. Sorry. So sorry after I, had, yeah, after I'm sorry, this is going to be one of those kinds of episodes, Mark. Um, <laughs> after I'd seen that bullshit, I was just like, fuck, because immediately they announced this thing. They announced it fucking like day one. Oh, this made so much money. You're getting a prequel. And I was just like, ah, oh, fuck. Fuck me. This is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is perhaps my favorite horror film of all time not my favorite uh it's not my favorite film of all time and there's even been other episodes of this podcast where i've contradicted myself and said you know martin's perhaps one of my favorite movies of all time and that's a horror film how how come that's not my favorite horror film (sighs) don't try to make sense of my mind people it's just it it's a labyrinth there's no sense in that you'll just go insane most people that have been with me been in relationships with me they go insane obviously so, but it is it, it plain and simple is, and I keep giving this franchise a chance. No man, <laughs> regardless of the fact that almost all the movies suck, almost all of them suck. Let's let's do a quick like you know 
quick fire opinions on all the movies. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1. Uh, let's just give a yay and nay. Uh, best film of the franchise, Mark the Movie Man. Yay. Cole. Oh, yay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is my second favorite of the franchise. Absolutely love it. Quick one uh, <laughs> one sentence uh, review, Mark the Movie Man. It is a fun, poke fun at the original, yet it's just over the top wild different than the first one and yay it's a lot of fun because it's just completely batshit <laughs> cole meredith it's fucking hilarious it's it's one of the funniest movies i've ever seen i love it yeah it's just bonkers i absolutely love that thing dennis hopper pff, jesus christ that dude's on like 15 eight balls of coke in that goddamn movie <laughs> running around i'm gonna take a pterodactyl <laughs> I love that shit. He's still still running off of that high from uh, Blue Velvet. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. The first Leatherface. (laughs) Which is hilarious to me that they decided to title this Leatherface when there already was a movie in the franchise named Leatherface. Um, To me... All these years later, when it first came out, I actually really liked that movie, and I bought it when it came out on special edition DVD a number of years ago, and I rewatched it, and that movie sucks. <laughs> it's n- nothing but a low-rent version of the first movie, regards the fact that Vico Mort- Mortensen is in it, and um, it perhaps has one of the greatest trailers of all time, where, um, <laughs> where the Leatherface is standing by a little pond, and the chainsaw comes out like Excalibur and runs into the air and he grabs it and turns around there's lightning and it goes leatherface if you haven't seen it folks go to youtube it is you will laugh it's literally a 30 second teaser and it's one of the greatest things i've ever fucking seen in my life mark the movie man leatherface the leatherface one texas chainsaw massacre three i loved the trailer <laughs> the trailer was the most entertaining part of that film. You're right. I, I, when it first came out, I was like, okay. And then I recently revisited it uh, just within this past year. And I was like, yeah, no, I'll just watch the original that was handled better. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on this one, Cole. I, I, I love, I love the performances, man. Uh, William Butler and, and Kate Hodge, uh, you know, uh, everybody in it. Um, I still watch it for the performances. You talk to the writer, David Chow, and he, you know, his disowns it. I, I, I didn't do that fucking thing, you know, but, um, I, I do watch it and enjoy it because I, I love actors and, um, there's a lot of good ones in that movie. Yeah. Ken free is in that movie. So I'll give it half a star for Ken. I got to give my boy some love. Um, but the rest of it can't do it, man. I, it, all these years later, half of it is literally just like, let's let's take the original and just totally redo it and and leave none of the style that made that work. And it feels like a, you know, a 90s direct to video TV movie with gore. That's it just oh just doesn't work for me, Mark. It, it was just it was their way. It felt like it was their way trying to get more of a mainstream audience because even with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, um, y- you know, you-, you had the horror fans in there, but three was like trying to they- like they didn't have a clue 
of what this film franchise actually was or what these characters were, but they were like, hey, we could bring it. You know, they gave it a flashier trailer. And I remember they promoted the hell out of this movie, too, when it first came out. So, oh, yeah. you know, I th- it, it just felt like they were trying to bring it to more audiences, but not realizing why people loved the originals, you know. And yeah, it's a lesser. It's pretty much a, as uh, our friend Scott Davis would say, a requel of the first one in many ways, in which yeah. they aren't rebooting it, but it's so much like the original. It's pretty much a reboot. Yeah, there's there's no difference whatsoever, other than you know, there's more of a female presence in this film. Yeah, which. Sometimes that's cool, but really it's just a lesser version of the original. Then we got what was supposed to be the real sequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Kim Henkel came back. He he was going to, you know, the return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Then it got stripped away from him because Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zilliger actually got careers <laughs> after they had made this because it sat on the shelves for so long that they they basically shelved this thing for years and then it came back out as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the next generation. I actually like this movie. It's trash. It's garbage, but holy shit is a hell of a lot of fun because Matthew McConaughey looks like he had been snorting some nose whiskey for about 16 days straight and decided, you know what, just turn on the camera and let this boy just scream and and pump his legs that are robotic legs and and beat himself against the table. And it's just it is one of the most manic things I've ever seen. And I love the transvestite Leatherface in it. It is a stupid, shitty movie, but. I love it. So, um, but is it as good as the first two? No, but I, I give that one a thumbs up. Mark the movie, man. I unfortunately, even though Matthew McConaughey is entertaining, I give it a thumbs down. I have not revisited it since I saw it on the video shelf. I rented it, watched it and went, what the hell? Now I was uh, rather young at the time or younger. So maybe I might have appreciation for it now, but for now, no, it's a thumbs down. It's probably, uh, close to one of the least favorite in the franchise. Oh, man. Have you ever seen the horror movie uh, remix uh, recut of the return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they re-added all the deleted scenes and and made it more like the original cut of the movie? No, I haven't. You should check it out. It it really kind of helps it a little bit. And it's I still think it's a good it's again like part three, like Leatherface part one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, which I'm going to keep calling it. Um, It's basically just, you know, another retelling of the same story. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nothing. It doesn't continue the mythos. It doesn't do any. It's just the same thing again. Uh, Cole Meredith part four. I thought. Excuse me. I saw this in the theater. There's this weird internet uh, theory that it was never released wide. I saw it. It was called, I believe, Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I saw it in Janesville, Wisconsin, on opening night. Um, And I've since seen the version that's called The Next Generation, and I certainly didn't see many differences, although... There was about, you know, an eight-year gap there. Um, but I, I do, the, the movie grew on me. When we first left the theater, we were just like, what the fuck was that? Um, but since, I, you know, having revisited, uh, as it's called, The Next Generation, 
on on VHS. Um, I like McConaughey. I mean, that's really what I remember is you got to give it to a guy who just is going for it. You know, just okay, okay, fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this my all regardless of of what it is, and and he is going <laughs> for it, man. And there's there's some interesting moments too, some really uh, just obscure, weird, strange moments. And I like movies that don't necessarily shove an explanation down my throat. I like it when weird characters wander in for no reason and wander out. Um, so I do enjoy it, although it's one of my least favorites of the series Hmm, very very interesting now speaking of having to over explain things then of course i guess you could call this our franchise episode of the night of the texas chainsaw massacre people keep telling me you know every year we do these franchise episodes and derek we need to do the text i'm like no i don't want to do fucking three or four episodes of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Everyone else has done it. Let's just do this in a quick shot like we're doing right now. So then, of course, they rebooted the series. Michael Bay gets a hold of it. Blah, blah, blah. They make these slick. (sighs) This is what's going to divide us here. And this is I'm doing this for a reason. I'm doing this for a reason. This is this is the point that's going to divide us. And it's going to go into the main conversation of the, the movie we're going to talk about tonight, proper Leatherface, is they rebooted this series. Michael Bay rebooted, got the he didn't direct it. Uh, Marcus Nispel, he directed it. Uh, they got this this series and they made this super stylized, really hip, you know, CW version of <laughs> I call it that because all the people in it are pretty people and everything their their idea of grimy is let's get a bunch of dolls from a thrift store and break them up and scatter them all over the place. And that's creepy, isn't it? Um, a, a hip version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that people went goo goo gaga over and I hate it. I hate this remake. I hated it when I saw it wait when it came out. Um, I had somebody as a wedding present, funny enough, buy me the deluxe edition DVD because they're like, oh, Derek's going to love this. And <laughs> I remember, OK, I guess I'll give this another chance. Still hated the motherfucker that it's like to the core of my being. There's nothing about this movie that understands what made the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre right. It goes from it being this shriek show funhouse to being a by the numbers slasher film with beautiful cinematography. But that just like it's for me strips all of what made the original, you know, work because it was like the cinema verite documentary about people wandering into the wrong areas of our world and getting destroyed because of it. And this movie just felt like a by the number slasher movie to me. Cole, your thoughts on the remake. I like, I like the really depressing bleak moist vibe of it. Everything's dripping. Everything's slimy. Everything's just gnarly. I I don't like any of the characters i i i certainly yeah i i won't go further than that i don't like any of the the kids as you for all the reasons you just stated 
Um, but I do. I think it did some really interesting things. I think it's interesting that you see Leatherface's actual face within the first half hour or something. I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I do enjoy it. It's not like you know I watch it every October every year or something. But there are scenes. You know, when I think of the movie, I think Steve uh, Jablonski's score. You know, I. Not many horror scores stick with me. These not many modern horror scores. Let me let me rephrase that. Stick with me, but I can just close my eyes and the theme, you know, is there. I mean, it's just there in my head. There are things about it I absolutely love. I'll say that it's it doesn't necessarily work as a remake to perhaps the greatest horror film ever made, as you guys mentioned. But I do I do enjoy huge chunks of it for sure. There's entertaining bits and pieces, but being such a huge fan of the original, I when I watched it, I was just like, I just watched the original because yeah, it was, it was the slicked up version, you know. And with remakes, it, it's a fine line because remakes they don't want to, they want to try to give you enough uh, that fans will be if uh, you know will be familiar with, but then you you, you know the whole purpose of a remake in my eyes is to try to bring something new and different to a, a franchise or a classic, or maybe fix some of the holes or some of the things that were glaring in the original. But this one really was more just taking it and giving it a bigger budget and slicking it up. Um, and it really didn't feel like much of anything. It added anything at all or had a reason to exist <laughs> well it's reason to exist as all reboots and uh remakes are is to reinvigorate the back catalog is to get mm -hmm. people give them a reason to repackage and resell all the old movies so they're not only selling one movie at this point they're selling five movies so it's just like that's the whole reason why they remake and keep trotting these fuckers out. Because every time they put another one out there, guess what? Walmart or Best Buy, whoever, has a display of all of them and people start buying them again. So it's not this whole idea of like, you know, you have all these horror people who are just like so outraged by these remakes. Oh, my God. Does nobody remember the original? Like, what are you talking about? Every time a remake comes out, all we hear about is the original constantly. But I just personally, uh, just as a fan of the original, there's no way I could distance it because they, they hit a lot of the same plot beats. But it just felt so sanitized to me, regardless of the fact that the cinematography is gorgeous. The score is lush it just like not the kind not my kind of movie when i think about a texas chainsaw massacre movie it just didn't have the intensity that i liked and there were too many moments and i, I will never get over this for as long as i live sitting in a movie theater watching this guy chained up in a basement getting meat hooks in him to orchestral stings like oh he's getting it it's stuck in him then this swelling score happens i'm like oh this is the fucking worst thing i've ever seen in my whole life i don't want to sit here <laughs> and watch this anymore god that is so cringy to me that shit was is so i hate movies that the score has to tell you how to feel that's like my my number one no no yeah number one no no is like once that starts happening you have lost me you have completely lost me but anyway so then they made a prequel to that. So let's step back for a second. They remade it. And then they made a prequel to a remake. 
this is the bottom of the barrel, folks. I tried re... I remember the first time I watched it, it did nothing for me. It entered my ocular cavity, exited out my ears, and then 20 minutes later, I had no idea what I had just watched. And then a couple years back, um, because I am one of those ridiculous collectors, I have every one of these movies, including Texas Chainsaw 3D, because I got it for like three or four bucks or something like that. Um, I I have the entire series on DVD. So I had this and I'm like, "Eh, maybe I was a little harsh on it. Let's revisit it. Nope. It's a boring, pointless piece of trash that is not memorable whatsoever. It's intense, but it's just gratuitous for the sake of it. And at times that works in some movies. And then this it's just so not memorable that it doesn't matter. After a while, I was just like checking my watch, checking my phone checking whatever I could. It's like, is this fucking thing over yet? So, you know, I don't dig that one. Cole, do you like the beginning? Oh, uh, uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, I, I really don't. I I've lightened up on it slightly over the years. I think, um, the notion of like, for instance, like the notion of a, a, an experienced war veteran going up against the family would be an interesting one if you actually fucking did something with it. But to me, it's, you know, I, I don't, for me personally, a chainsaw movie shouldn't be torture porn. And that one is like right on the cusp of it. And there's just no redeeming. I mean, there's no performances that can really write, you know, praise. Uh, it's, you know, exactly where it's going. You know, the family has to get away so that the, the next movie can happen or the previous movie rather can happen. Um, I, I think that's an awful film to be honest. And I rarely say that about any movie, but it's, that movie's horrible. It's it, it's the only, it's one of the only chainsaw movies I, I don't own, and I'll probably never watch it again. There's no honest. reason to. I mean, the only reason you watch it is to see Arlie Ermy again, right? Yes, I yeah, mean, yeah. He was the only part of the the remake that I gave a pinch of shit about, and he's basically just redoing his role from Full Metal Jacket. That's all he's doing. So, of course, that's mildly entertaining. So, really, the beginning, you're just watching it. If you're a big Arlie Ermey fan, Mark the Movie Man, what are your thoughts? I barely remember the beginning. The only thing I remember is the end and the fact, oh, they got John LaRoquette again to narrate it. Just like he narrated the very first original, like he did a narration during the remake, and then he did the narration for this, the beginning. That's what I remember from it. That That's it. That's all I remember from the beginning. Um, I remember watching it going, well, that was a movie. Yeah, that was a movie that happened. It, it happened. I, I watched it and, oh, they got John Larroquette to do the voiceover again. That's that's neat. And that was it. Hot fucking trash. That movie's hot fucking trash, which obviously brings us to Texas Chainsaw 3D, which you obviously already know because we played a 15 minute clip for you. Um. So that brings us to what we actually came here to talk about tonight. This long-winded monologue intro going through the entire series to talk about the movie that I, I believe everybody walking in already had preconceived ideas that it was going to be an absolute pile of doo-doo, and, I, and a lot of people do, but Leatherface, the origin story of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, came out. And we have all sat and watched it. And after this short music break, folks, 
we're going to talk about it. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe I'll talk more about uh, Mark, the movie man doing, you know, soda reviews. Maybe that's what the rest of the podcast will be. I just, this is a bit called a bait and switch in the industry, folks. I got you to sit and listen to us sit and talk about all this other nonsense with the hopes of hearing us talk about Leatherface. That shit ain't going to happen. Fuck. We're like 40 minutes into this thing already. You ain't going to fucking no. Okay, no, we'll be right back. So take a listen to this rad ass shit and we'll be right back.
So what do you guys think about the release strategy of this fucking movie? I mean, it, it makes no fucking sense to me in any world that I've ever existed. We have a movie that um, that preceded it, that made actually a lot of money. So you would it would come to reason that the next movie would also make money. So what did they decide to do? They decide to release Leatherface, uh, an exclusive deal with DirecTV on demand weeks before its official release hits theaters. Does, does this strike anybody as a very strange strategy to put this movie out? If you would have asked me that three years ago, I would have said yes. But nowadays, some of these films... Uh, that's the strategy. I mean, you had 47 Meters Down, which was originally released direct-to-video, I do believe, or limited theaters under a completely different name, lived on DVD for a while, then it went away, and then they went and wide-released it under the new name 47 Meters Down. Uh, You know, you've got some other films that have done that to where they've actually gone to VOD for a limited time before they hit theaters. Now, for this one, I don't think it's going to be huge wide release, though. I think it's going to be the New York coastal theater release like they do with some of these indie films. Uh, So I don't think it's going to be a huge, like, wide, wide release to every, like, thousands of screens. Um, at least that's the impression I got when I was reading about it. And then it'll go to VOD to more, uh, more, uh, venues, if you will, or, or sources. Uh, but it's, it's odd. It is odd for us, for a movie to do this. Uh, but it does seem to be coming a little bit more standard for those products where they might not have faith that it's going to do well on a wide release scale. But don't you find it to be kind of naive to do this sort of release strategy and not have it out at the theater at the same time to give, you know, maximum pop to it because by releasing it this way, anytime anything hits a digital avenue for release, it will be leaked online instantaneously. So the vast majority of the people, those dollars, that paper you would have made by releasing this to the theater are is gone. It's gone instantly, especially to some exclusive deal where the vast majority of America uh, and Americans don't have direct TV. This see this reeks of just bone headed decisions cold did this make you scratch your head at all absolutely man i had no idea it was out i was at a get together i'm trying to you know meet people here in minnesota i i'm a wisconsin kid i'm trying to meet people here just to kind of you know roll people into acting and in in my films and i you know i was at this this party and they put it on it was a porno party let's admit <laughs> let's admit you went to a porno party I, there, were, there was people screwing it was a swingers party there was people screwing it all believe, believe me you're in good company i wish it would have been at watching the film but I, I think um did you have to put your keys in a fishbowl when you entered <laughs> no no but i i've i you'd be surprised where, where i've been um no i think i i uh, i was i i had no idea it was out i i'd heard rumors of an october release from my friends. So when this thing came on and they're like, Hey, what do you say, guys, I said, what? 
the fuck? Okay, sure, let's watch it, I guess. And they poured me a gla- glass of, like, really good wine, and I sat down and watched the thing. So I had no idea. I mean, it's it's a very odd release. I wonder, though, I wonder, do the powers that be really realize how easy it is just to click, copy, paste, and pirate a movie? I mean, do they know, really? I can't I can't imagine this day and age that people don't realize. I know there are a lot of restrictions to DVR content. I mean, the layman isn't going to just take that content and put it to the web there. I mean, you have to know how to strip it from that and then put it up. But let's be honest here. Every last TV show that is broadcast on terrestrial TV or on streaming on cable anywhere it is instantly online to download instantly online to download so to think for one second that this movie wouldn't immediately get leaked you have fucked yourself you have fucked yourself there's no way you're going to make that money back not a single this will be uh, the vast majority of the people that want to see this movie have already seen it sorry (laughs) <laughs> that's just the way the, of the world now. So the fact that they didn't simultaneously release this is mind boggling to me. It just doesn't make any sense. Cause I'll tell you this. And if you, if you were to give me the option of watching it digitally at home or going to the theater and watching it, I will always go to the theater and watch it. I will always take that opportunity because one, you'll be getting more of my money. Two, I'll be able to gorge myself on an asinine amount of fucking popcorn and Mountain Dew. So obviously you've already and and I'll and just to let you guys know. Yeah, that popcorn tastes good. But (laughs) seriously, I will choose that option every last fucking time. So this made no sense to me whatsoever. I think they're going to regret having done this by in the end at the end of the day they're not going to make that money back they're just they're just not this was stupid but regardless anyways so we all got to sit and watch this thing let's break it down to brass tacks and give general thoughts mark the movie man when you finally got to sit and watch this thing what did you think i found myself actually enjoying it um in as I'll say, in spite of myself, I fully went into this thing with zero expectations going, okay, let's see what you got. And I was entertained. Now, to put it in context, watching this film, it really has very little feel to any other film in the franchise. So if you made a few tweaks, this almost could have been stand on its own. But that being said, it, it is made to be the prequel to this and the Leatherface origin stories, if you will. And I enjoyed it. I actually I actually found myself entertained. I didn't think it was like, oh, my God, mind blowing. But considering I went into it thinking this was just going to piss me off, it actually didn't piss me off. I liked a lot of the things they did in here. Um which I'm sure we'll get into, but there's a lot of things that they do in here that surprised me for a, a modern film. Uh, you know, now it's a set in a period piece, which I always love period pieces anyway, but there's just a number of things they do in here that I thought they, they actually play with the audience a bit that I didn't expect. And that was a, that was in a good way, you know, um, mainly, uh, and, 
if you don't mind, I'll mention it now, mainly through the portrayal of certain characters in this film and through some of the cinematography, they keep you guessing who actually is going to be Leatherface. That was one of the things about this movie that honestly I could have done without. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. it, it it bothered me to the point where I didn't like it. I just didn't quite see the point <laughs> of why we needed this this shrouded mystery and this twist ending and all this bullshit. It didn't make much sense to me, but uh, it was interesting. I, I suppose that's I, I that was one of the things that I particularly didn't enjoy. But um, but anyways, oh, well, I, I know I'm I'm in I'm, I know I'm in uh, I'm probably the only one in company here who enjoyed that. But for me, I, I enjoyed that. I just thought it was at least something I was like, OK, they're the way they're doing it. They're playing with the audience. I, I kind of liked that, um, you know, and maybe it's because I was constantly just putting this film as itself <laughs> as its own thing, as opposed you know? to having it tied to anything else. Right. I never once. That's the one thing. And I think maybe that's why I enjoyed it. I went into it going, I am going to not have this or make this even try to connect to anything in the original. I'm just going to look at this film by itself. And this film by itself was fun. Cool, cool. Cole, your thoughts? Well, I'm I'm no professional film critic, so I hope none of your listeners view my opinion as some sort of brand that I'm trying to put on anything. Um, All I can say is this is one of my least favorite horror films of all time. A lot of that is probably because it's connected to the original. Um, A few of my friends have said, hey, man, it's a good horror movie on its own. So, you know, who's to say in a year or two I could put it on again and maybe see some of that? But it's just one of those rare times watching a movie, like, like watching Armageddon or watching The Nightmare on Elm Street remake, where I was sitting there just getting sick. Just like, oh, my God, I know exactly where this is going and even worse than that they're insulting my intelligence and i i don't expect a chainsaw movie to be uh you know (laughs) a citizen kane but it just seems every step of the way it seems so obvious and not even that uh, even more than that it has two of my favorite actors in it. Uh, uh, well, two actors I love. I mean, any good actor is my favorite actor. But Stephen Dorff and, and Lily Taylor, man, I, I I just could not believe how little they were given to work with. I'll, I'll just keep it short because I know we're going to go on. But this movie was really, really not only boring, but just kind of grating. I just sat there going, Jesus, I, I knew exactly who Leatherface was going to be in the first, as soon as he showed up. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into the quote-unquote whodunit aspect of it a bit more later, but um, I wish I wish I'd been able to see what Mark had seen. I wish I had felt toyed with. You know, I, I wish I had felt played with. Um, there is one aspect of the film that I like. Um, my computer's being a little odd right now, but the the lead actress who's, who's part of the gang that kidnaps the nurse. I unfortunately don't have her name in front of me. She was really good. And I, I liked her character. And I'm not sure how many spoilers we're supposed to give, but she left the film a tad too early for me. And I, I wish she had been Leatherface. And that, I know that wouldn't have made any sense. <laughs> but uh, she was the only part of the film that I really felt like, well, that's kind of 
interesting and creepy. But no, I, I didn't like this movie. Even, um, I mean, the music, John Frizzell, who actually scored the last one as well, and who did Alien uh, Resurrection, which is a phenomenal score. He's done some great music. Even the music, I thought, was just uh, grating. I, I just, um, yeah, I didn't get into this film at all. Uh, on the other hand, my fiance and everybody else did. So different strokes, you know. Let's just say I'm very critical about these Texas Chainsaw movies. <laughs> you, what? Um, I liked this movie. <laughs> I did not expect to. I not for a second. I I was actually um a little excited to see it, and I didn't think I would be because I remember a time where Corey and I have sat and talked Texas Chainsaw forever and there was multiple times where we had talked about well what what would we do if we were going to make a sequel um like a direct sequel to number two or something that came before um the original and we you know we had tossed around ideas like you know maybe we could do a road movie where you know they're on the run and blah 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 and all these other things and the main thing was always get them out of the fucking house and have them do something different. We've seen that movie. We've seen them torturing people. We've seen them, you know, just sit there in the es- We've seen that dinner scene a million times now. Get them out of the fucking house and have them do something different. So from frame one, the movie starts with another dinner sequence. And I was like, I was really worried. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh no! This is, I'm I'm having flashbacks to Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning all over again. This is not good. The game over, bro. Game over. And um, after that point, they get them out of the house. It's it's almost a road movie. I know a lot of people have compared this to Devil's Rejects. I think that's unfair. I really don't see that. But um, for me, it's a completely different kind of movie. And I was so happy that they decided to do something other than just retread the same movie that we've seen seven or eight times now again. And just for that fact alone, this movie already had plus marks in my court for this. So we've already kind of went past the the point of, you know. We haven't even described what this movie was. What what is the story? Um, obviously, it's a story of the young Leatherface and how he became Leatherface. Sort of, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd really call it much of an origin story, to be honest. Um, it, it's a very strange plot. Like that's that was one of the things that didn't matter as much to me. Like. I love the fact that it took its time to to um, connect dots with the the family. I felt the family finally compared to Texas Chainsaw 3D felt good. Like it it burns me to say that Bill Mosley sucked in Texas Chainsaw 3D. <laughs> he was not Trayton Sawyer. That's that performance sucked. Well, they didn't really give him much of anything because of, at that point he had like 70 other family members in that tiny little house for some unknown reason. What anyways. Um I thought I you know Lily Taylor also is one of my favorite actresses. Um first time I ever saw her in a in a big role was in Abel Ferreira's um The Addiction 
which is a black and white uh, vampire movie from the 90s. And that movie tripped me out. It was an urban uh, New York City vampire movie. And I've loved her ever since. I loved her. And I shot Andy Warhol, loved her in Six Feet Under, blah, 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 blah. I could go on forever. Every time I see her, that movie, just like when I talk about Henry motherfucking Silva on this show, every time I see Lily Taylor, I'm just like, okay, I'm in. I'm in on this movie. You got me. And then you got uh, Stephen Dorff, as you had said before, playing a grimy asshole cop doing you know just chewing up scenery he did a great job in this but but they did a great job you know tying threads back to the original i thought that um most people would have just kind of like brushed aside and they didn't do it heavy-handedly like i thought the family in this movie felt good and it didn't have to tell like explain well this is this person and this is this person. It just kind of came out in conversation and didn't feel like a wink and a nod to you. Mark, what did you think of the family members in this? Yeah, I like the I like the not wink and nod uh, at all. Uh, what we've gotten in many of these films, you know, either the remakes or whatnot is, hey, hey, look, look who we have. Look who this is. Uh, and you can tell when a film's doing that. And this one, I liked that. I liked the fact that it didn't like beat you over the head going, this is connected to the original. This is connected. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, as a fan of the original, you already knew. So all you needed was a hint. You didn't right. need to like them look at the screen and go, this is Drayton Sawyer. And then, you know, <laughs> break that fourth wall and then go back to the story. You know, you, you kind of knew if you had any knowledge of the original, you kind of knew who these yeah, people were. You know, and, and I, I like that. I, I think uh, you put it right is the fact that uh, while die, many diehard fans and I can definitely see Cole's uh, point with this and, and his perspective, uh, it may not appeal to anyone. It appealed to me because it was them doing something different. It it it, it wasn't, again, getting every single one of those same beats that we've gotten in the original uh, films uh, at all. And yeah, I, I, I like the fact they didn't heavy hand you a wink, nod, beat you over the look, 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 it's, you know, <laughs> cause some films have done that and that just, Oh, I just like, yeah. Okay. You know, we're done now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Vast majority of that stuff just never never works for me. But for for here for me, the family felt gri- uh, appropriately grimy, appropriately gross. Uh, Verna, who was played by Lily Taylor, as we had uh, described, she she felt like to me like a good matriarch of the family. Like she was strong, and she and she didn't put up with any bullshit. What happens to her? Who knows? We never find out. <laughs> like, why is she tucked away in the original in the the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, dead in the attic? We don't know. This movie only takes place during the teenage years of Leatherface, so we don't know. But one of the things that I loved the most, and we it, and it got this out of the way right at the beginning in that dinner sequence that I told you that I was kind of like, oh no, we're back there. Is that Grandpa sledgehammers some dude in the head just out of nowhere? I'm like, fuck, you got me. You got me so fucking hard right now. This is this is what I wanted to see. Yes, Grandpa. Let's see Grandpa fuck some shit up. And uh, then it's that. You don't see Grandpa talking much. He's just this kind of old dude that bashed some dude in the in the skull. I mean, 
it worked for me. It all it all worked for me. Uh, Cole, you you mentioned that you know they had these actors that just didn't work for you. Did the family itself? When we we sat and we were introduced to this family, um, they have captured and tied up this pig thief supposedly. Um, they're living in this house that has no electricity, which I thought was a great touch that they don't. I mean, it looks like it's lit. But when it, later in the movie, when they're walking around in it, it's obvious they're all, it's only candle lit like everything. It's a real subtle, uh, not like it, it's very stylized to me, but it was just something that was like, wow, that was a really nice touch. I mean, these are some real down home, like poor people that. They they don't even know what modern appliances or modern anything is about. I mean, they're literally living off the land and living off of these people that they're capturing and whatnot. And they don't give a fuck anymore. I just thought the entire house itself and the family, they just did. There was a lot of care into building an atmosphere that made the original feel organic with it. I, I mean, did you see any of that, Cole? When you, you watch this opening sequence and in the family in general, I you know I I didn't I, I the candlelight is a good point I I recall that that opening sequence is one of two preludes uh, to the main narrative, um and I didn't get into it at all I thought you know okay Leatherface the kid gets a chainsaw on his birthday really that that's what that's what I mean that was my initial reaction like really. That that's what you're gonna give me as a fan on his birthday as a kid. His mom gives him a chainsaw, and he's. I, I, just, I thought it was really obvious, like the easiest writing choice ever. And I, I totally understand your viewpoint about seeing Grandpa there, but again, to me, that was just easy. It's just like that 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 thing was just like the easiest thing you could. And I, again, this isn't anything against anybody who likes the film, but you could give. To me, I sit a fourth grader down and say, write uh, uh, the first scene of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre prequel. And that that's what you have. I mean, it's just, to me, it was just so obvious. I, uh, and, and again, Lily Taylor was giving very, given very little to do. She's a phenomenal actress, but didn't give her any chances to freak out or, or snap or go batshit crazy. And maybe that was the point, is that she really believes that she is a nurturing mother. But it just... Um, I'll stop ranting, but stick to the opening sequence. I Right away, I knew I was in trouble. I was like, okay. This is fan fiction at its worst. That was my reaction. Uh, I, I I think I agree with you a little bit on the ch- on the chainsaw aspect. I think bringing that chainsaw at the beginning was a little obvious. I'll agree with you on that one. I I will. But man, I love that fucking grandpa shit. Oh fuck! <laughs> I love that grandpa shit. We bash that dude's head in with that sledge. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, Mark. And and I see I see the point. I enjoyed it. Yeah, when Grandpa sledgehammered him, I liked it. I. Well, it is obvious they did give him, you know, they're giving him the the chainsaw for his birthday. What I did like is the fact that the kid wasn't just into it. The kid's actually a bit hesitant in in trying to do this with this chainsaw and and actually in the end doesn't accomplish what the whole family's trying to egg him on to do and he goes to the the arms of his mom. And I liked that because when I saw the chainsaw, yeah, I felt the same way. I'm like, okay, all right. So he gets 
a chainsaw and they're teaching him how to cut people up with a chainsaw on his birthday. Okay, yeah. But then we see he's not really successful with it at all. And he even he even stops because there's something with him that's telling him, you know, you really shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> Uh, you know, no matter how much he's gone through, this kid has uh, been raised by this family. So, you know, for me, I, I kind of dug it in the fact that uh, he didn't just kill the guy and start immediately taking joy in it. He, the kid is really hesitant the entire scene in even doing this, um, you know, and, and I that's that, that's the part I took away from it. Uh, though I completely agree that that it was a bit corny giving him the chainsaw on his birthday, but I like the fact they didn't have the kid just immediately be psycho. Yeah, it was a little off-putting to me a little bit, the kid, because it just didn't feel like mm-hmm. the Leatherface character, which may be one of the biggest problems a lot of people. And Cole, you probably have this problem, too, that the, that the person that they ended up choosing story-wise and plot-wise to be Leatherface doesn't really jive with with our di- idea of what Leatherface is, regardless of all of these other like little nuances that they threw in there to make it feel like it was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, more so than for me than probably the vast majority of the series. But um, yeah, that was one of the weirdest things, because after this point, after this birthday, um, there is we get a scene where Sally Hardesty, who is mentioned in the original, um, gets sidetracked by Leatherface as this little boy wearing this pig mask, and she ends up getting killed by the family. And then Stephen Dorff comes out and ends up taking all of the kids away from the family and they go to a mental institution and the rest of the movie is basically a breakout road movie where all the kids in the mental institution break out and are being pursued by police until they arrive at the the Sawyer house and all hell breaks loose and Leatherface. So, so that's basically the plot of the movie. Um, I'm not very good at giving plot synopsis because I don't really give a fuck. Um, but um, it, it, the movie's basically a road movie. There's what worked best for me was there were certain sequences that were that showed an intensity and a weirdness that I just was not expecting from a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. I thought the 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 prison break or the mental institution break was a really well um, filmed and sequenced scene of chaos. And it it almost felt like um, some of the weirder shit. Like we had all just seen mother and there's this, there's sequence in mother, not comparing this to mother, but I mean, there's a sequence in in that movie where just shit is just chaos. Things are going nuts. And there's in this movie, they, they capture that where all of these mental patients are just going around fucking and killing and climbing up the walls. They don't know where to go. They're, they're, they're killing the guards Then blah, blah. I thought that was a really fun sequence. There's a really strange sequence in um, a mobile home where people are <laughs> fucking on top of a corpse that I thought was rather interesting. 
<laughs> I know Mark. Mark probably had about you know three bottles of Jergen and some tissue with him when that that scene popped up. The best scene in the movie. And that is the best. You scene think in the so? Movie. Why do you think that? Because it's unexpected and it's it's diverse and weird without um with you know it fits into the chainsaw vibe. And yet it's different. You know, it, it doesn't completely come out of left field. It makes sense for her character, and they don't have to explain it. It reminded me of, uh, like, the next generation, uh, the, the guy in the suit who comes in at the end, you know, and rips open his shirt and has all that. Uh, I haven't seen it in a few years, but it has all that those weird piercings on his chest and shit. Um, I mean, that's what Chainsaw should do is offer you these really weird, perverse ideas and 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 not give you full explanation for him. Just let the insanity of the characters take over. And not only that, but when she sticks her tongue down the corpse's throat and it's sticky and gooey, come on, how cool is that? <laughs> That's great. That's necromantic right there, man. I had flashbacks <laughs> to the Menage a Trois scene in fucking necromantic when that shit happened. Uh, that was it was interesting. It was not expected. Um, Mark, did you like that sequence? I liked it because uh, for all the things you and, and Cole have said is, is the fact that it is a bit, it's odd, it's unexpected, it is. it does fit within the context of her character and w- what they are, the way they set up her character, who uh, the actress who plays her, I believe his name is Nicole Andrews, um, she plays that so well, that insanity, that by the time you get to this point in the film, it surprises you they did this in the film it doesn't surprise you that these characters did this if that right. makes sense because for a, you know for a modern horror film i i watch a lot of films i watch a lot of horror films modern horror films both indie and wide release and let me tell you i have seen very few films that take the chance and actually have some serious uh, necrophilia going on to the extreme that we're actually shown her, like Cole said, sticking her tongue down the corpse's throat and they're smearing. <laughs> they smear. It's like they start off with this scene being rather sexual and sensual because Nicole Andrews, she's a, she's an attractive actress and, and you're like, okay, here's some skin. And then they go to the front shot and you see she's topless and then you're like, wait, what are they? What is what is that being smeared on her? And you see that before you actually see the corpse. And then you're, you know, and they give you that moment to go, oh, hell no, they aren't. And then they show you. Is it room. Nicole? And it, it may be Jessica Masson. Not oh, to interrupt, it, just for our Jessica listeners. Manson? I'm not. I thought that was Nicole. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, I just. Nicole I, I, Andrews plays the character Tammy. Oh, okay. Awesome. So it. it Tammy is uh, Nicole Andrews, um, and she's the blonde, and she's the only blonde on the cast list, actually. Uh, so, huh. <laughs> I I gotta ask, I gotta ask, because I was a little confused it, because she's having some grimy sex, and they show her from the front. Now I couldn't tell if she had been burnt, or she was a cutter, or was it the slime? That was on her. What was with her, her her front sight? Is that what happened? I took it as it was being smeared, uh, but it could have also been that there was some 
um, uh, abuse of some kind from self-infliction or whatnot. There were some like cuts in that, but uh, you know, it looked like she was getting grimy and dirty uh, because it looked like something was getting spread on her. Um, so I took that as, cause we see, we don't see the corpse right away, but then when we do see the corpse, I was like, oh, well maybe they were smearing it. Cause I couldn't quite figure out what was going on exactly with her, with, with that front scene either. Uh, but I took it as them smearing the dead person on her because <laughs> he was in the bed. So, you know, um, are we going to have to go frame by frame on this, Mark? Are we going to have to go deep CSI on this and check out what was going on with her chest in this? I hate Cole. Wh- what did you take away? I mean, I couldn't quite understand what was happening with her. Was that something from her in the past? Because they didn't really give her much of an explanation when she was in the loony bin. But I mean, was that the slime or was she burnt? Or I mean, what was what was the deal? Oh, there? man, I think uh, everybody could be right. And I think that's the great thing about the scene. I think there was definitely something wrong with her skin. Um, I don't think it was just like goo. I mean, it really seemed like she'd been mutilated. I, I've only seen it once a few days ago. Um, but I, I, I think what's great about it um, is anybody can talk about it and be correct. You know, um, I would, I, I personally think, you know, she was probably either, you know, submutilating or she had been abused as a kid and it slowly. Yeah, that's what I took. Yeah, it as. yeah, it slowly sort of, she, she somehow learned to, you know, um, horror, this is a horrible idea, but it, it happens, learn to get off on, on the notion of, of the pain, you know, uh, so, and death her on, you know, it, uh, much better done uh, than uh, many movies I've seen where women are making out with skeletons. That that was a really good scene. I, I really like that scene. I wish the whole film had been as powerful, but um, and that actress went for it. I mean, ugh, God, what a good. I'm gonna follow her stuff, whatever her name is. I'm gonna be following her stuff for sure. Yeah, I think those two really had a, like that Mickey and Mallory kind of vibe to it. Yes, I was gonna say that, Derek. Absolutely. Yeah, that Bonnie and Clyde, and it, they clicked. And even though there were times where you, just, you wanted to hate them, I mean, that was the purpose. They they did a really good job with that. But have you guys ever? It, it makes me wonder because you guys are reacting so strong to this sequence. Have you guys ever seen Necromantic? Either of you? I have not. I have not, my friend. Mark. I have it's it's on my I need to watch this film, but no. It, oh, my God. OK, so that's seen. the reason why you guys are reacting so hard <laughs> to, to, to the sequence, because <laughs> because really this sequence plays a lot like Jorg Bucharest's Necromantic, because that that movie, if you're not familiar, people, and I know you guys have just admitted you're not familiar, is the story about the street cleaner in Germany who cleans up after auto accidents. And him and his girlfriend have a fetish of having sex with dead things around them or with dead things. So he finds this corpse um, as he's. You know, doing his job and he stows it away and he brings it home. And this thing is, you know, it's rotten. It's mangled. 
It is they they nail it to the wall and it's just like the decomposition is just gooing off of this corpse and there's a stain on the wall where it was when they take it off of there. It's gross. And they have this sequence, which what I had referred to before was the menage a trois sequence in which there's this beautiful piano music that plays over top of it. And I'll I'll play a little bit of that here, folks. And (laughs) it literally is like this really artfully uh, edited trailing movement sequence where these two people are having a threesome with this grimy, slimy, gross corpse that in which they had to take a broom handle and put a condom on it so yes, she could I've seen it. That. And they're like, yep, they're sucking the eyeball out and they're just goo and there's just all this crap in that sequence. That This thing in Leatherface took so much from that movie, from Necromantic. That, it, that That's what it brought memory, like immediately it brought back thoughts of that slimy corpse in Necromantic. I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> I was not expecting this in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre well, movie. You, but you uh, a few of those, and uh, you were right, Cole. Jessica Madsen is the character that plays it. She's only done a few TV things uh, and a sh- short film. So it is Jessica Madsen, and she does put her all into it. And you're, it almost makes me wonder, rather than being an ode to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they play at another a number of other popular horror or thriller films that they give almost odes to because you mentioned Mickey and Mallory and that's the exact vibe I get from the cafe scene. Oh yeah, big time. Big time. I mean, that's totally... You know, uh, pulling a, a, almost like an ode or a nod to Mickey and Mallory from uh, Natural Born Killers. And now that you mentioned Necromantic, while I haven't seen the film, I've seen pictures and stills and read about it. And I'm like, this feels like from that, you know. And then you've got the whole cop on the revenge trip. And, and we've seen that in thrillers before. So, you know, it almost feels like instead of making this a film that is a throwback to other Texas Chainsaw films, they've borrowed from other thrillers and kind of made this amalgamation into this film, um, you know, from other crime films, much like Leatherface was taken from other serial killers and, and assembled. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of the feeling I got in this movie. But yeah, Jessica Madsen uh, is the actress and she puts her all into it. I think that's what made this interesting is because one, these dudes are obviously not American filmmakers, so their sensibilities are a little different. This movie was filmed in Belgium, from what I believe. So I I know Mm -hmm. there's been some complaints that I've seen on Facebook and online that, you know, these that it doesn't feel like it's in Texas. I think to me there was never one moment in this movie where I sat and thought, oh, my God, this is Belgium. This, this, this is not Texas. I thought all the people in it felt like they were from Texas, um, except for there was when um, Iron Fist comes in and uh, can't hold can't yeah. hold the fucking Texas accent whatsoever. Um, he was the only part of this movie where it's just like, oh, fucking Iron Fist. You, you're not from Texas. Quit trying to be. You you can't you don't even know kung fu in your own goddamn TV show. You think you're gonna come on here and be a Texas Ranger? <laughs> Jesus Christ, get the fuck out of here, Iron Fist! But um, <laughs> but there was no point where I I was taken out of the movie. I thought the the choices they had for environments were felt natural. In the house that they had for the Sawyers felt good. 
the big thing was these weird sequences of intensity that would happen that would just take you off guard. And the fact that you really, it didn't have, there was just, it gave me a feeling more than having to connect dots. And to me, that was so much more interesting than just regurgitating the same movie over and over and over again. Now, the big, you know, elephant in the room, obviously, is Leatherface. And there is this really, even though the movie's called Leatherface, there's no Leatherface in this movie. <laughs> Until the very, I mean, spoilers. Obviously, you're listening to this at this point. You don't give a fuck about spoilers. So maybe you're just you're vicariously listening to this so you don't have to watch the movie, which, okay, I guess I'm happy. Can we do spoilers? Can we, can, can we reveal shit? Of course you can. I don't give a fuck. Oh, awesome. I've never given awesome. a fuck on this show about that. I've never, you people want to listen to Astro Radio's I mean, I, I have taken a bullet for him watching these goddamn movies. Like I said, I'm not watching important movies. I'm watching the fucking second prequel to the goddamn Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This, this ain't no fucking piece of art. But um, yeah, totally spoil the shit out of this. I don't give a fuck. But um, I thought I thought the handling of Leatherface was probably even more than an Iron Fist trying to be a Texas Ranger was... Um, was probably the worst handled thing about this movie was, was they tried to set up this whole switcheroo who is Leatherface and you you're thinking the entire movie one of the people that are on this you know that are part of these people that broke out of the loony bin this bigger dude he really can't speak because he's been giving electroshock therapy to the point where he's almost like bit off his tongue and he can't like his brains are scattered and there's a sequence where he basically curb dogs a guy's mouth and he lays with the corpse and you're like you're like okay this is leatherface obviously this is leatherface this feels right this is good and then they pull the fucking rug out from underneath you and it's not him and it's a being a, a dude that not body type wise doesn't necessarily fit. Um, and it just that to me was probably the weakest point of this movie. Arguably. Is there any agreement on this? I mean, what are your guys thoughts on the, the direction they took with this leather face character? I, I totally agree with that. I don't have anything to add to it except for that. Um, I don't think it's, I don't know what word to use. It's not a who done it. But you have three characters, right, who could be Leatherface, and I automatically, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a cynical bastard, crossed out the most obvious choice. So you're left with the Mickey and Mallory guy or the Norman Bates type of guy. And it's not that I don't think the Norman Bates guy could turn out psycho. I just don't think that a decade later he could be wee, 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 like slamming people with a sledgehammer you know, squealing like a pig. I, it's just, it doesn't connect. And my fiance and I went back and forth with this. And then last night I, we watched the original and she hadn't seen it in years, probably a decade or more. She hadn't seen it since before her last marriage, I think. And she was just like, Oh my God, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. There's just, the guy is so well-spoken. I mean, yeah, there, there's shit underneath. He's obviously psychotic. He's obviously okay with murder. When he, find, when he finds the obvious choice for Leatherface laying next to the, the, the dead body, as he mentioned, he's just like, oh, God, what did you do? Shame on you. Let's go. So obviously he's okay with murder, but could he 
turn into the character you see in the next film. Now people may say, well, focus on this film. Okay, okay, fine. That's a valid complaint. But the connection to me was just so far gone. I could see this guy as Norman Bates as Leatherface. And I'm not talking about body type. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just talking about they're obviously trying too hard to fool you. And and you can't use words like integrity of the character when you're talking about Leatherface. But really, it just doesn't connect. For me personally, it doesn't connect. It's as far from the character um, to steal a line from Thunderheart. It's a it's as far from the character as a hawk from the moon. It really is. I gotta agree with you on this one. Of anything, I gotta agree with you on this one because because the dude that you they had pinned in, you might as well. I was talking with Kyle from uh, Bloodbaths of Boonsticks on the Astro Radio Z group because he watched it and we finished it almost the exact same time. Is is that they might as well just called the guy's name Red Herring. Because that's all he was. Um, it He felt perfect. It made sense. His body type was perfect. His actions fit what Leatherface would be. And then they, like you said, give you Norman Bates. And even though what happens to him at the end kind of, you know, retconny explains why he can't talk or blah, 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 blah. It didn't work for me. It didn't work for me, which, you know, makes me you make I'm probably people are probably like, well, why did you like this movie, Derek? And <laughs> I got to tell you, in general, and I, I keep saying this over and over and over again on the show, I react to energy more than I react to logic in movies whatsoever. If a movie catches me and makes me feel a certain way, it's got me. And I will ride with it no matter how fucking stupid it gets. I just told you I really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. So obviously you understand where I'm coming from at this point is that I will go for a ride in the dumbest fucking way with with certain movies if it nails a certain energy in this movie from point A to, to point Z got that for me it felt like a good interesting weird ride like i didn't know where okay there were certain i'll, I'll agree with you cole on this one that there you know there are some things you just kind of knew what was going to happen because i mean that's part of the prequel plan i mean that's why prequels don't work because you kind of already know what the story is but the the fact that that they that veered off and did these weird things and the gore was really really intense which you know most people would argue, okay, well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't about the gore, but fuck it. We're here. <laughs> We've seen all this stuff. They did some good gore and it were horror fans. We like gore. I thought the gore, it was all practical. I didn't see, I didn't notice any CG, which I mean, their first movie inside had some, some of the dumbest fucking CG in it. Oh my God. So fucking horrible, but we're not talking about that. Excuse me. But I thought, you know, there were just, the movie, even though the logically some of the stuff was just dumb, I still it still never took me out of the movie. Mark, the decision for Leatherface, did they need this switcheroo? I mean, did this bother you at all? I mean, on one hand, as I mentioned earlier, I, I liked how they were trying to set it up to kind of make you guess. Um, but on the other hand, their final choice, I wish they hadn't done that. 
I actually liked the big lumbering Ulf guy. It, you're absolutely right. I wanted to see him. I'm like, this is awesome. Yes, this is this makes sense. And then when when they it's not him, I'm like, okay. And then I almost felt like I missed something <laughs> with this character that he suddenly just goes off the rails like this. Um you know, before he even gets tied up in the barn. Uh, and yeah, I, but now that you're hearing you guys talk about it, uh, one, I didn't, I didn't quite enjoy the pick either uh, of it in the setup. I'm like, Oh, okay. Now in the last like five, 10 minutes of this film, you're now doing what I was hoping you wouldn't do for most of the film, <laughs> you know, but I, almost wonder if they they decided to market this as a prequel to the original but i wonder if initially this was supposed to be a reboot for the entire franchise because if you take it as a reboot to the entire franchise then it's a little more acceptable for their choice because you can see they want to try to take a different direction by trying to market this to connect this or to the original and be the official prequel again to the original. It doesn't work. But if you look at it as a possible reboot, I think it works better that way. But, you know, I think that's maybe it. And I have no clue. I have no inside knowledge. This is no. That's a really, really good point, man. But I mean, seriously. But that's the, awesome. The feeling, the way this whole film goes through, it, it almost feels like this was intended initially to be a reboot film, but they got scared about that, so they decided to do a re, you know, a, a prequel. Because as a reboot, it would make a whole lot more sense for them to do these red herrings, because everybody's expecting that person to be the new Leatherface or whatever. If this was actually a reboot, you know, they're going to restart the franchise, but then making this guy, you're like, Oh, well, if this was a reboot to the franchise, where are they going to go with this younger guy now who's supposed to be Leatherface rather than the big, the, the big lumbering uh, guy that we got in the original. And so as a reboot, I think it, that would work a lot better and be a little more acceptable. But the fact that they've put this as an official within the canon timeline prequel origin story to the original, their pick just does not work. It, it, it's just, that's the part where I was like, okay, now you guys are going too, too far. You're thinking you're being a little bit too creative and ha ha, we fooled you uh, on this. You should have made it the lumbering old. <laughs> well, see, this is where I start to contradict myself because there. I, I, when I sit and think about this movie and we sit and nitpick this and really get down to brass tacks of like what happens in this movie, how does it relate to the original? There's a lot of it where I'm just going to say, OK, well, this doesn't make sense. This is this is dumb. This is that. But I'll go back to it is that while watching it, it is for me, it was a fun horror film. Yes. It just like it never bored me. Mm -hmm. I was always it's an hour and 24 minutes. Holy fuck. Is that the sweet time? That is as as most people would say for cheap stuff. That's the nice price. That is I mean, that's like perfect. It's just like it gets almost in. the exact same length as the original. Actually, I just realized that fun fact watching it last night. It's almost minute for minute the same length as Cooper's original. 
It really is. I mean, it's it's just so tight. It just gets in, gets out. There's no filler to it, and it just rides. And by time it got to the point where I was just like, okay, well, when is this timing back into, um, you know, the Sawyers? We were there. Mm-hmm. It just like this movie flew by, mm-hmm. and for me, when I forget about the fact that I'm watching something and I'm just enjoying it, that movie's won me, and this movie won me. I, I, I got to say this is a big, big time thumbs up for me. And that's hard for me to admit because I was totally expecting I was going to go into this thing thinking It was a total pile of fucking hot trash. I was going to just just totally expecting it to be. And it's it's funny. And I know my buddy Brian Martinez will will laugh at me because I, I talked some mad shit about the it remake. And he went and saw it this weekend. He loved the goddamn thing. And now here I am on Astro Radio Z talking about the fact that I actually liked this Leatherface gimmick. And most people are going to come by and say, well, you're fucking, I'm never going to listen to you again. You got shit taste. You got shit for brains. You don't know a goddamn thing about anything. But uh, I did. <laughs> I fucking liked this movie. Yeah, I actually liked it better than the It remake. Woo! That's a fucking hot take. That's a saucy take. I like this better than the It remake. Fuck y'all. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but I thought this was great. I don't need two hour fucking movies. I, I want a good for a nice horror exploitation film. I want a nice tight 70 to 80 minutes. I want you to get in, get out. I don't need a lot of background and not a lot of explanation. Just put some people in some fucked up shit and make me give me a ride. And that's what this movie did. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, so any Parting final thoughts about the Leatherface movie, uh, Mr. Cole Meredith. Well, it's obvious I, you know, I, I hate very few films. As I told you earlier, I can count on one hand the amount of films that I would say I hate. And this is one of them. It takes up the thumb. I now hate five films. Um, what are those I, other I, films, I, I, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, man, I don't want to offend anybody. Just go. Who you know, Armageddon, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, uh, Showgirls. And there's another one that I'm not going to mention just because. No, it's, just mention it. Quit, quit, quit. No, just no, no. around. Just no, no. Just it, I'll, I'll say that for another show, man. I don't want to be. It's porno, isn't it? You can admit <laughs> it. It's porno. No, man. I. You can break my heart. You hate. You hate taboo too. You can break my heart. You hate taboo too. That's what this is. Who hates taboo too? I mean, so I've read. Obviously, Cole Meredith does. He doesn't want to admit to I, it. I will say this, man. I, so we're going to start if, There are so many things I'd like to improve, and, and I don't mean to sound all high and mighty. Put me in a room with Steven Dorff for two fucking hours, and I guarantee I could have come up with a better performance than just him chewing on a toothpick with a southern accent. I mean, there are, there is, give me Lily Taylor, for God's sake. Give me a meeting with Lily Taylor for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. I guarantee you, I will give you something stranger and, and crazier and, and more interesting than, than what you saw here. And again, I'm not a critic. I'm a filmmaker. So that, that's the only position I can, I can come from. I mean, that there is so much in here. They had all of this talent. And, and, and they spent it on this, this fan fiction script that is just every turn is just so obvious. I mean, if you're going to have a, a batshit crazy cop, you've got to at least try to outdo what they did in the second or at least come close. And th- this is like Dorf's performance is just like medium. It's medium rare. Everything in this movie to me is like medium rare. 
it's it's undercooked and nothing really ever happens right to the point where the climax is a beheading um yeah i i don't like the film i i cannot imagine doing a chainsaw massacre which i do every couple of years and and including this this in it and even on its own which you shouldn't have to take this film on its own mark raises a great point if it was just a reboot you know a straight up reboot it might work better, but it doesn't because they got the character of Nubbins in there. You know, they got all these characters. We need, they the, got nubbins. All these we need the Nubbins solo film. I want to see <laughs> yeah. a, a poster. Yeah, I want to see a poster you. that just says Nubbins. I want. I want that. Where's Where's my Nubbins movie? But no, in closing, it's it's as of right now, and, and movies grow on me all the time. I change every day. I hope I never stop learning and changing as a filmmaker, as a film watcher. I hope I'm always learning every day, every minute. As of right now, I, I am disgusted for all the wrong reasons. God, this for just sure. blows my mind that that Texas Chainsaw 3D is better to you than this movie. That, I just can't believe that that's a reality. Well, I I didn't have a chance to talk about 3D, but I understand you hate it so much. It's the worst. It is fucking trash. But Leatherface is in it. Leatherface is actually in the movie. He, Leatherface is locked in the basement. But he's in the movie. <laughs> he's in the movie. The movie's about Leatherface, and he's actually in it. You know, I mean, that's, I don't know. That's really all I can say, I guess. Oh, holy fuck. That entire movie is nothing. Okay, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. God damn, I fucking hate. I can't believe for one second that... <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to move on. Mark the movie man. Final thoughts about Leatherface for the day and age where um, if it's not if it's a film that has a bigger production and has a franchise name on it for a film to surprise me like this uh, is rare. As I mentioned, I watch a lot of modern horror films. I know you tend to avoid them a bit, Derek, because uh, they're hot trash and rightly thinking so. Um, baby bullshit <laughs> they a lot a lot of the wide release modern horror is hot trash especially the stuff that comes to wide release it relies on jump scares case in point there was this film uh friend request which came out which i enjoyed <laughs> i enjoyed parts of it I enjoyed. I'm sorry, Mark. I'm not laughing at you. I'm not laughing at you at all. I enjoyed parts of friend request, the mythology in that. I didn't appreciate the 10 fucking jump scares. They felt the need to put in the film. Where still I'm going to ask you in what way did you, did you think ever seeing that trailer that there was, that was going to be anything but that I didn't, but I was going to give it a chance. Besides I have movie pass. So, um, but for me, <laughs> you, can't, you can't keep blaming movie. I, I pass. sure can. And I'm going to, <laughs> you can't I, keep most certainly movie can. Pass, I most certainly can. Cause the more movies it's I see like an, with it, the cheaper it is. So nah, it's like a heroin addict that, that can't get off the smack because his heroin dealer lives next door. It's bullshit. You can't keep blaming movie pass for your addiction to keep going to see these movies. You know, we're going to be horseshit. You, you the, just can't. the thing is, it wasn't complete horseshit. There was really good stuff in there, but they <laughs> felt the need to fall in. Where I'm going with this is it surprised me. The places this film goes for being a modern made horror film and being, 
even distributed, but wide distributed as it is, surprised me, and I appreciated that, and I enjoyed the energy, just like you. I enjoyed the kinetic energy of this film. This film just cruises right along, and not only that, it does have, out of the most recent Texas Chainsaw films, this has the most, uh, I would say, uh, texture feeling to the original as far as a bit of the griminess and the sliminess, even for it being a new film. Uh, it, it goes to some dirtier places that, uh, you know, you didn't have in Texas Chainsaw 3D and you didn't even have in a couple of these other films or in most modern horror films, you, you don't see them go to that place unless it's an underground film that's been made for 50 bucks. Um, uh, you know, you don't get that for these wide-release horror films. If it's an indie film, yeah, you see more of it in that indie scene and in the underground scene. But, I mean, the necrophilia scene surprised the shit out of me that they actually went there with it. And for me, yeah, I enjoyed the energy. I enjoyed a film with a bigger budget like this, went to some uh, uh, more grittier places. And outside of the ending to who actually they chose to be Leatherface, by that time, it was the end of the film. And I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I really don't give a fuck anymore. You know, and don't get me wrong. I'm not shooting down films made on very low budget. But what I'm just saying is... The stuff done in this film is not something you see normally in films that have been promoted as much as this film has. You know, the wide release, trying to appeal to more masses, horror film. This goes to places I didn't expect it to for the time and age we're in and for how this film was promoted. So for me, I enjoyed that angle of it as well. And I just had fun. I did. I had fun with it. I turned yeah. my brain off. I cut ties to the original altogether uh, with it just going in with zero expectations and took it almost as its standalone horror film, which you could do up until the last 10 minutes of it. You really could look at this as just a separate horror film altogether. Um you know, if you had no clue about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you could still follow what was going on in this film. Yeah, I, I wish more franchises tried to keep continuity, but at the same time, tried to do different things in every movie and not have to be the same movie over and over and over again. And I think that's what works. And what I like about this mm-hmm. is what I said at the beginning is they got those motherfuckers out of the house and they they took us for a ride somewhere else and and kept enough familiar familiar stuff in it uh, to tie it back that made it feel like it was part of it, but at the same time didn't feel like they had to retread every note beat for beat. Mm-hmm. So for me, I did this. Will I watch this a bunch more times? Ugh, only time will tell. I don't know. I don't feel a burning desire to watch it immediately <laughs> in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Um, but I did enjoy it. I, I guess that's a positive review. I did enjoy it. I liked it a hell of a lot better than probably the last... <sighs> Well, obviously, the last three films combined, those movies can all be tossed into a fucking dung pile and lit on fire, (laughs) and I would be fine with it. They're all garbage, hot trash, just the hottest of fucking trash. But um, this one, yeah, it was dece. I I dug it. I I can get with this stuff. So 
That's it. We're going to move on to the portion of the show where my guests shamelessly show the fuck out of you. Mr. Cole Meredith, thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you and your wares in the movie that you're uh, filming currently. Talk about it. Right on, Derek. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. You guys know so much more about movies than I do, and I was just honored to be here. You can find me at Shadows and Lovers Productions on Facebook. We have a movie, our latest movie, which would was released last year the last great horror movie on amazon it's extremely affordable and i'm very proud of it spent five years on it and uh, i i vouch for it um check it out if you're into micro budget horror we're working on a new movie called rise which is the first movie i haven't had to fund with money from a goddamn grocery store Thank you, God. Um, and that'll be out sometime within the next year. And um, that's it. Again, thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. This was an honor. <laughs> well, thanks for patting my backside and uh, fluffing me a little bit there. I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> I don't know if I deserve it. It is. I, I, <laughs> it is. We both know it is. <laughs> I appreciate it. Mark the movie man. Show yourself, bud. SpecialMarkProductions.com is where you can find all your movie man needs. We've got the spoiler room, we've got the final cut links there, and whatever else I have. I posted a recent interview that I did with Catherine Mary Stewart talking about Night Flyers. Uh, we've got, uh, I've got some reviews coming up of some uh, recent films, some stuff that's from the underground as well as wide release. You can find all of that at SpecialMarkProductions.com. Follow me on the Twitters at special mark pro or on the youtubes at special mark prod thank you for listening i don't know when uh, the next episode will be i don't know what it'll be about we are back in the wild west days of astro radio z that this show will only come about when i feel like fucking doing it but if you want more consistent content go over to my patreon page and contribute for the one dollar range you get all audio bonus episodes where you do neat we do knee jerk episodes we get we haven't done this yet but mark the movie man and i'll do more on uh censored episodes and just all the normal patreon bonus episode nonsense you'll be able to get that there five dollars you'll start getting video content for me and above there nobody's been at that shit yet but i'm waiting go over to the patreon page check out the delights i have for you such sights i want to show you folks so until next time go check out leatherface it's worth it do it (laughs) shit on demand you ain't paying much for this thing. Just go give him a few schmackles for Christ's sake. You like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You get to see some, you know, corpse fucking. That's worth something, ain't it? You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. 
For only one dollar a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies.